Welcome to Three Films in a Podcast, the show where Destiny brought together three friends to enhance each other's cinematic journey by watching three new movies in a series of themed rounds. There is no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode, as all film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Three Films in a Podcast. My name is Tyler Beck. I'm coming to you from Salt Lake City, Utah, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Benjamin Lawhorn. Look at us. Rhythm section. We're doing it. <laughs> That's right. Holding it down. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Matthew couldn't join us tonight. Uh, he's a busy man. He's He's got to keep the interns in check. He's doing a lot of babysitting. Yeah, we keep that guy on his toes, and we overworked him, so he had to sit the night out. And um, we had a few guests lined up, but uh, all of them at the last minute couldn't make it or we adjusted our schedule in a way that they couldn't make it. So, yeah, um, that's on us. So it's just uh, the two of us, Ben and I, uh, and we are happy to have you here. For those new to the show, allow me to be the first to welcome you to our movie club. And for those of you returning, welcome back to the movie club. Uh, We're certainly happy to have you all here. And if you could tell your friends to follow us on all the socials everywhere at Three Films Pod. Uh, Check out our website, threefilmspod.com, for cool merch and Patreon support options. We'd greatly appreciate it. And yeah, I say we just uh, jump right into this. Um, This week's episode finds us at the end of our LGBTQ plus round, in which we're exploring movies featuring, obviously, LGBTQ plus themes. Uh, So far, we've covered My Own Private Idaho and Call Me By Your Name. And this week, we're going to be discussing the 2016 film, Uh, directed by Park Chan-wook, entitled The Handmaiden. Now, you may be familiar with Park Chan-wook from his 2003 revenge film classic. Well, I guess it's more of like a cult classic than a classic. Um, But it's certainly, certainly really good. Um, But that's entitled Old Boy, not to be confused with the 2013 remake by another podcast favorite, Spike Lee. But regardless, um, Old Boy is awesome. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. Um, you also may have seen his name floating around. He's the producer of Snowpiercer, both the oh, cool. TV show on TNT uh, and the 2000 and I don't know what year the movie came out, but it was a movie directed by Bong Joon-ho, another podcast favorite. So uh, this is kind of like a whole stew of podcast favorites here mm-hmm. this episode. And yeah, basically, uh, Park Chan-wook is a legend in Korean cinema. And uh, if you're not familiar with his work, I highly suggest you check it out. And to be totally honest, I've only seen, you know, the stuff that I listed previously. So I think maybe that's something we should look at uh, exploring in season three, some more of his work, because everything I've seen, I absolutely love it. What's I guess we're going to probably talk about this a little bit later, but um, how much of his stuff have you seen, Ben? One movie. (laughs) <laughs> that is this one uh nice. i mean i've seen i've seen snowpiercer from his like producer credits and stuff like that um yeah. but yeah no i was hoping you know we have like a, a slack on the side that we we all talk in and you know i brought up like we got to do like a korea round because i need to see old boy like it feels like a huge yeah. movie that i don't know how i haven't watched it yet uh and just like a lot of other movies on this pod it's like if i assign it you know what i mean like if we pick it then i will definitely watch it and i feel like that's totally i want and i need so i would say without a doubt at some point in season three we'll be covering old boy and i'm excited about that yeah totally well i mean i wouldn't be upset i watched it a long time ago it came recommended by the Podfather, mr pulcher himself indeed um and i honestly don't remember all that much about it except for I felt about it much the same way I did when I saw this movie, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically I was just like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's <laughs> so it's kind of like, <laughs> don't really know what to say about it. Um, so I'd be happy to watch it again, even though it's sort of, I guess we are, we, we have some movies on here that one or two of us have seen before. doesn't yeah. totally break theme, but yeah. anyways, um, let's get to the topic at hand. The handmaiden tells the story of a woman who is hired as a handmaiden to a Japanese heiress, but secretly she is involved in a plot to defraud her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, so when I first, okay, since it's just the two of us, I'm going to let you start with your personal experience first. I feel like starting this episode with just a monologue of me isn't <laughs> a good idea. 
So I'll save my personal impressions and everything I was about to say. Um, Ben, why don't you start us off? Um, you know, your personal experience, you kind of tipped your hand earlier, but where'd you first see this movie, your overall impressions, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. You know, I wish I could have seen something like this on the big screen, but unfortunately I couldn't. Um, but I, I still loved it for, you know, the experience that it gave me again. Like I knew the director through old boy. And I was excited to see kind of like what other stuff he has done uh, because that one just feels like a very, very much like a revenge, whatever kind of thing. I was like, well, the trailer on this movie doesn't give anything away, which I think is kind of awesome. Like it's just like a collection of like the awesome shots, you know, that's kind of it. Totally. Cause like, Oh, I want to see what this is all about. And it's like, there's barely any dialogue. It's just like, cool shot, cool shot, cool shot. Like, okay, sweet. I'm on board. You know, like it's, kind of what I want out of a trailer as much as I didn't think so. It's like, yeah, let me figure out the story while we're watching it. You don't need to tell me everything now. So it definitely did that. And this movie just like caught me off guard multiple times and I loved it, you know, like with it even just starting out with like part one, it's like, okay, cool. We're kind of going to get into some like maybe chapters here or whatever. Like I enjoyed that aspect of the storytelling and yeah, I mean, there was, again, like, there's a few times where, like, oh, okay, I didn't see where this was going, you know, and, like, not in a bad way where I was thinking, like, oh, I know we still have, like, an hour and a half left, but it was more just, like, what are we going to do with this next hour and a half? Because, like, this is, the way it's going is great, and then something happens, like, oh, wait, what, we only have an hour and a half now to tell the rest of this? Like, it's, I mean, it runs two and a half hours, but it doesn't feel like it, at least to me. That's true. You know, like, yeah. I, I wasn't focused on the time frame. It was more just, like, Oh, we only have this much time left. Like, what do we, what's the story going to turn into? Um, so right. I like the aspects of it. a lot of cool flashback, man, this is a fucking like sensual movie, dude. Like it is like, I mean, some of it I like watched Ooh. on like a lunch break at work, you know? And I was like, I'm glad I have an office to myself. Cause like, if anyone's <laughs> like behind me right now watching some of this, like this is, is beautiful. It, it was like so well done. None of it is like, over the top or unnecessary, like everything adds to the story, which I think is great. Um, You know, there's a lot of, obviously this is all in the pride month. So a lot of the story between the handmaid and the lady is about, you know, their attraction toward each other and having this like lesbian relationship that they couldn't really speak about. And we get to see them like connecting with each other. And I, you know, I know we're not getting into trivia, but I enjoy that the director basically cleared the whole set for that kind of stuff. Yeah, one female boom operator and then the camera was like remote controlled and i was like that's cool i like that he made it a comfortable environment for them and i feel like it came across in the movie like we saw they were totally really comfortable with each other and just seemed very intimate and like we were there with them uh in a really beautiful way so i i love this movie i'm excited to like watch it again there are some that i watch for the first time on this show and then for our podcast and then i'll like I'm like, I need to, I want to own this. Like, I like this movie enough that I want to watch this again at some point. And that's one of, this is one of those movies from like, I, I think I need to have this. Cause this is just like, it's such a great movie. It's so beautiful. And I, I just love the story. Yeah. Um, whew, man, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I didn't watch the trailer for this and I went into this really, really blind. Um, mm. I started to talk about the synopsis and, and what, uh, how that influenced my viewing. But basically I think when we were picking the movies for this round, I didn't have a selection made quite yet. And I think you recommended this if I remember. And so I thought, yeah, sure, let's do it. And I didn't really look into it. I just, I looked at the, the cover, you know, like the poster or whatever. And I kind of knew it was about like some, some sort of like, lesbian relationship or whatever Mm -hmm. uh like a korean film that talks about like i thought it was going to be like a love triangle kind of thing like yeah i thought it was going to be very much more honestly more in the spirit of you know what we saw with call me by your name something that was like a forbidden love kind of a thing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i thought it was going to be like a a love drama i had no idea i i knew that it was highly recommended i'd heard that it was a great movie and I was like, okay, cool. It's going to be like, this round is going to be like the, the sad love story round. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so right before I watched it, I went and I read the synopsis and I looked at the director and I was like, oh, 
<laughs> I got instantly excited because I saw I was like, oh, from the director of Old Boy. I was like, oh shit, I've seen Old Boy. I know what that movie's about. And then I read the um I read the synopsis. And the synopsis I read, I don't remember where I read it, but it was different than the one that I pulled from IMDB. Mm. And it basically said, you know, that she goes to be a handmaid to a Japanese heiress, but things aren't what they seem, or something like that. To be okay. is yeah. what the synopsis said. So I was like, oh, cool, like a mystery thing. So I had no idea what to expect, no expectations. And it was probably like 20 minutes into the movie. I mean, it could have been longer. Like you said, this movie has a two and a half hour runtime, but it doesn't really feel like it. For sure. Uh, the, like you're just kind of just kind of just pushes you through the whole time. And there's not a minute you want to look away from the screen because everything's so beautiful. Side note. It was the one time that I was like cursing subtitles. I know we harp on like pushing <laughs> through subtitles, but I was like, I didn't want to take my eyes off a second. I, oh, I wanted yeah. to see every inch of the screen just because everything was so well composed, um, so beautifully shot. The blocking, the lighting, the composition, the choreography, everything about it was just masterful. And I was like, damn it, I have to like look away <laughs> for a second to read. It's like it's the one time I was ever like, I wish. I wouldn't want to watch it dubbed because I really do like to hear like yeah, yeah. the natural rhythm and, and beauty of it, of like the, the language that it's made in. Yeah. And it's important anyways, in this movie too, because like at the beginning yeah. you get that, you know, it's like the text in yellow is in Japanese and the text in white is Korean. But I, I honestly right. had the same exact thought you did. And I usually don't with subtitled movies, but the, I know that there were shots where I was like, that looked beautiful, but I only got to see it for half a second, you know, cause I was reading the subtitles. Right which normally isn't the case with the movies, but just like the, yeah, the cinematography and this is so beautiful, but the, the subtitles, it's one of the few times I think where the subtitles like adds to the context of the story, which is, I think also a really interesting choice. Yeah, totally. I mean, the difference in the way that they choose this when they choose to speak Japanese and Korean mm -hmm. and like the sort of like the, the class commentary mm -hmm. in that regard is really interesting and really important. And I would hate to take that away just by putting English dubs over it. I guess they could put like they're speaking Japanese at this point yeah, at the yeah. bottom. I don't know, but you know, it's it's interesting. I think we'll probably talk about this later, but um it like to put it in comparison to Parasite, which is another phenomenal movie, uh, you know, Korean movie that is subtitled. I think the difference is this movie, Handmaiden, is very dialogue heavy. Mm. There's a lot of stuff you need from the dialogue. And that's not to say there's not stuff you need from the dialogue in Parasite. Of course there is, there's tons of stuff, but I felt like there was a lot more moment like quiet moments in parasite where the camera's talking yeah and so it was just easier to just you know take in what you're seeing as opposed to like trying to catch up with what you're hearing mm -hmm. not to say that it takes away from this movie at all and in fact for me it just makes me want to see it again but i guess what i was starting to say before i went off on that tangent was uh, it was pretty early on into the movie and i was like oh yeah this is going to be one of my favorite movies ever like mm -hmm. this is gonna instantly going to be somewhere near the top of my list um it's going to be one that i revisit and i was like i could i could see why it was so well regarded pretty pretty quickly mm -hmm. um and i was just blown away and and i'll be honest like when it was over i kind of just sat there looking at the screen just sort of like i honestly don't know how i'm going to talk about this <laughs> because that like there's a lot going on in this movie mm -hmm. and this is going to be a shorter episode, um, both because of the lack of guests and somewhat by design. You know, we're trying to get these episodes out in a more digestible manner, but it's we could probably talk for a long time about oh, sure. a lot of the things in this movie. And, you know, we'll talk at length about most of it. But I just was honestly kind of nervous to come on this show and to host it. I'm like, I don't know what to talk about. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I could possibly pick an Apollonia. I don't know how I could pick a best scene to watch. Cause it's like everyone and everything in this movie is, I thought it was flawless from start to finish. Yeah. There's so many good performances. If I remember right, I I'm not a hundred percent sure about this, but Kim Tae Ri, who plays uh, Suki, that the handmaiden, this isn't this her debut film. Oh, is it? I don't, I don't know. I hadn't pulled up. Her. I, I think it's, I was, I was Looks like it's her, yeah, it's her debut feature film. She had done okay. a handful of shorts, but yeah, this is her debut feature film, which is crazy. Cause she's a so fucking good. astonishing. Yeah. <laughs> because there's not a weak point in this movie as far as, I mean, as far as anything, but specifically concerning the performances, like 
it's just it's just phenomenal stuff. And I was just sort of uh, I guess I was intimidated, you know, because I wanted to have a lot of intelligent, flowery things to say about this movie. <laughs> Um, so instead I'm just making up for it by rambling. Well, there's, there's um, so much, I think that, I think the parasite is a great comparison as I was watching it. Cause it's kind of a compilation of like, in some other movies that we'll talk about later on as well. But I was like, Oh, okay. This has the cool parasite, obviously like just like the geographical setting, but also the kind of like working your way into a family, you know, without them yeah. knowing it. we had that aspect, which was really cool. So like, oh, we got a couple of people on the inside that the family members don't know are working against them. And then, right. you know, we get like, again, it goes into three parts and one of them is a lot of a flashback and all this setup and stuff like that. And that's where I was getting, you know, Ocean's Eleven kind of vibes where it's like, oh, there's all these pieces that are being put together. And then it also goes into like, well, who's telling the truth here? Like, wait, who's actually working with who? Because like the cliffhanger that we get at the end of part one, you know, where the handmaiden gets like taken, it's like, oh, wait, what? Like what's happening right now? And then it's like, yeah, boom, cuts a black part two. We're going like, holy, okay. Hold on. <laughs> like there's just yeah. so much to catch up on. <laughs> and then on top of that, we have this like unrequited love, like this, this, you know, these people that love each other, but they can't, you know, for so many reasons, at least not openly. And so you're also dealing with that drama. It's just like, it was, it was so much, but I see your point too, where it's just like in the first 20 minutes, like, Oh yeah. Hell yeah. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> like I love this so much. Yeah. And I think I have a good way to kind of frame my overall thoughts about this. And, but, but we're going to talk about it in, in a, probably our next segment. I think an easy way for me to try and, and, and talk about some of the things I love most about this movie is to move into our elevator pitches. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Um, Let's do it. Because my my pick for the elevator pitch, which I guess I'll just go into now, kind of goes into what you were just saying in that there's a lot going on in this movie. And I think I would show... Oh, so, <laughs> our elevator pitch, for those that may not know, if this is your first time, it's where we try to show you one scene. We, we imagine we're in an elevator with you and we have that short amount of time to show you one scene from the movie to try and convince you to watch this movie. So my pick here would be the first time we see that weird library and we're introduced oh, yeah. to like the snake, the snake statue. And we see the count with the ink on his tongue or the blood on his tongue or whatever the hell it was. And I'm picking that scene for a very specific reason. I mean, you could, this is what I think we, we could call like a dartboard movie where if you put the timeline of events on a dartboard and just hit one, like you'd probably find something yeah. that was good enough. But what I like about this scene is also representative of my favorite thing about the movie in that we see this, like this scene should have been the setup for what the movie is about, right? Like this mm -hmm. weird secret society thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's never explained what's going on down there. And, no. and if it is, if it is, I didn't catch it. Um, and wouldn't surprise me because there's so much going on, but I think that's why I love this movie so much is because what this movie is about really is about these two women that fall in love with each other. And it's 1930s in Japan. Uh, it's a very, I, I don't know if that was like the feudal times of Japan. I, I don't know that much about their history, but there are certainly dynamics about, I mean, society in general, and especially in a, in a culture like that, where, you know, they're hiring women as handmaidens. It's, it's a very classist and sexist uh, social structure, I, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, at least as it's presented in this movie. And so what we're watching is these two women who have fallen in love with each other and they want to be with each other, but they can't. And they're, 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 you know, trying to find ways to be with each other. And a, much in the same way of like, uh, call me by your name, mm -hmm. but they're doing it in the craziest fucking world. This, the house they live in is bananas. It's like a half an hour drive from the gate to the house. You know, it's way up in the countryside. It's beautiful. I think if we were to do, and maybe we still could, we could do, um, you know, a, a, re a redo of the, the best movie houses, Rushmore, because this would mm. land on that instantly. This, this house was incredible. Like if this was an Airbnb you could stay in, like I'm booking my trip tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Well, even when she shows up, I think the person that like, 
welcomed her. It's like, oh yeah, there's three parts to this house. Like some of it has Japanese structure. Some of it is like English right. structure. Like you won't find this anywhere else. It's like, oh, that's right. cool. That's awesome. It's unbelievable. And so I guess what I'm trying to get at here is I love when a movie can do this, when it can give you things that easily could have been a whole movie, but they're just in the background. They're not explained and they don't really necessarily, I would love to see them explained if it was done this well, maybe if, mm-hmm. if, if, if we could like get a spinoff series of <laughs> what this, what's going on in this house. But you know, what we get is the story. We get the, the whole sort of con man story or con artist story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, the, the forbidden love story and, and the, all, all of this, the, the twists and the double turns and the backstabbings, we get all that stuff set on top of like four different movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it was just unbelievable. And I just was like, I want to know so much. Like, what is that octopus? Like, what is yeah. that? <laughs> you know it's what crazy. I mean? Like, there's just like, <laughs> there's this crazy octopus. Eh, you don't get to know what that's about. Like, I assume it's something awful given what we think goes on in that basement. But yeah. I don't know. I think that's why I would pick the scene. And I think it's a really good red herring because you would show that scene and you'd be like, what the fuck is this movie? And then you'd be like, Oh, that has nothing to do with anything. I mean, it, it it has everything to do with everything, but nothing to do with anything at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's no context just looking at it on its own. And, and you know, I love to pick non spoilery scenes for my elevator pitch. So that's about the best way I could describe this movie is you get what is like, I mean, not a, it's a pretty conventional story in all, in all honesty, you know, set on top of like just the craziest shit. And so I think it's a really good pick for elevator pitch. And it also, you know, somewhat sums up my thoughts on the movie, but, um, what would you pick here, Ben? Yeah. I mean, we'll just quickly to go to, to what you said. I mean, the octopus is absolutely nuts and we don't really see it until the third act. We don't see it like in the flesh, I guess the flesh wouldn't be the right phrase, but we don't see the octopus itself right? Uh, and, until the third act. And there is some hints to it earlier because I think there's like a, a Japanese art piece. I think it's called like the dreams of the fisherman's wife. And we see that where it's like this naked woman who has like an octopus kind of like essentially like performing kind of lingus on her, you know, it's just always yeah. like this, this weird stuff. And then we see the octopus later. It's like, Oh, maybe that gets used for that, you know? Cause everything down in that dungeon is like body parts, you know, that's all it is. It's like, Oh, this is kind of nuts, but it's so cool. Yeah. That we like finally get down there and get to see it. Cause they talk about the basement so much. Also like I got to think about the synopsis of it. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. I think when we talk about all the, the, the characters in here, but my scene is the first bathroom scene we have between the lady and the handmaiden. Yeah. Um, it is, it's really our introduction to their kind of attraction towards each other. Um, yeah. It is, in my opinion, arguably like the most intimate and sensual scene in the whole movie. And which is saying something just, given there's a like five minute gratuitous sex scene that yeah. also like, despite like the highly erotic and explicit nature of the scene is like not as pornographic as you might anticipate. You know, yeah, like it certainly gets it. It gets your heat rising. Like I had to, I had to For fan sure. myself. You know what I mean? But, uh, but yeah, it's. I agree with you that despite the scene that we get a little bit later, the bathtub scene is like hold your breath, like intensely yeah. erotic. Yeah. So you know, the lady is in the bathtub, and the handmaiden is like just helping her, like put in like the whatever the you know potions and making everything smell good and stuff like that. And just like helping clean her. And then at some point, you know, the, the lady's like, Oh, this, my tooth is like kind of cutting into my, my mouth a little bit. It hurts. Yeah. So the handmaiden leaves and comes back and she has like a, a, a thimble. I think it's what it's referred to. Right. So, like, yeah. And just like puts her <laughs> like, well, first she just puts her thumb in her mouth to feel where it is leaves and comes back with a thimble. And then it's just like, has her thumb in her mouth and is like just very slowly back and forth, like grinding down whatever the hard part is. But we just get these like tight shots, like on the lady's face and she's like staring up at the handmaiden and it's everything just like unspoken because this is like the first time they really have any sort of like physical connection with each other. And it's for the quote unquote job. You know what I mean? Like it's, 
she's providing a service that needs to be done as the person takes care of the lady. But there's also just like more to it. And then we get the handmaidens POV where she looks down and you can kind of see like the naked lady in the tub. And it's just like, we get some really, really just tight shots of like just eyes, you know, it's like, we can see yeah. like the pores on their skin and stuff like that. And I think it just helps us realize how, how intimate and like, I don't know, important this was for both of them, because I think it kind of shows us that now they see each other kind of in a different light. And so we got to see them in that same way. And I just think it's, so beautiful no real words are exchanged or anything but it just sets the tone for the rest of the movie it's like okay these women are very attracted to each other like yeah. they're starting to fall in love with each other but they cannot so where are we going with this um right and it's just like yeah i don't know i think it's a really cool scene and i think i would want to show that just to be like cool if you want to see where this goes watch the rest of the movie you know because yeah. it, it's still i don't know it, it's beautiful yeah, one thing I like about that scene too is it I don't real I don't honestly remember if it's been re- I think we know at this point that the handmaiden's there as a con, right? Yeah, yeah, that that's early on for sure. Okay. I like this scene because we get it, it, you can really tell that like you get the sense that she's like, "Ah, oh, shit." <laughs> like yeah. I fell for the mark. You know what I mean? Yep. Like Yep. And you really believe it. Like that scene sells it. I mean, like I said like it was, you know, I watched it by myself and it was quiet, but it was just like, I felt like the world around me got quieter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just felt like I was like yeah. holding my breath. I was like, oh shit. Like it was, it was like intense in a way that I didn't expect. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you can't take your eyes off. And it's not even just because of like, I mean, they're both gorgeous and it's not just because it's like, whatever, like this gorgeous, yeah. like non-sex sex scene, but it's just like the way it like, again, we're talking about like the choreography and the composition and the shot choices and all that stuff, just really well done. And like, and the performances were just so incredible and believable. And yeah, I think that's a phenomenal pick because I can't imagine seeing that scene and not wanting to (laughs) see the rest of the movie. (laughs) And it's funny because that scene would make me believe that the movie was what I thought it was originally. Mm-hmm. like a yeah. slow burn like love drama you know what i mean sure. which in some ways it is but it's just like you know so it's, it's it's that placed on top of the craziest mystery story you know like mystery heist con a double cross movie it's bananas it's kind of crazy like i i mean I, I think we're jumping into apollonia next uh and before we do i just like for the listeners who are, i mean we've kind of talked about it, but honestly, the way this movie is set up is that the count comes into this household where the handmaiden is. And he's, he's coming. He's like, Hey, we've got a mark. She's got a ton of money. She's set to marry her uncle, but I think I can work my way in and we'll get married. I'll get the rights to all her money. And then I'll have her sent off to the loony bin. So I need someone to come in to be the handmaiden. And that's like the setup, you know, and that's kind of the connection to the parasite. It's like, okay, we're going to like work our way into this family, into this house, and then we will reap the benefits. And then, like you said, it's like the bathtub scene really is the, oh shit, like, oh no, like I actually care for this person. Like I kind of yeah. want to protect this person now because they are being taken advantage of. And it's like, oh, what happens? And then part two is like all the flashback of like, who knew what, like all this kind of stuff, like it's. This movie keeps unraveling in the best way. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, ben hinted just a minute ago that we are moving into our Apollonia. So um, I think we should do that now. Let's head on over to Lake Minnetonka and uh, talk about who wins our Apollonia Award. Let's go purify ourselves. So the Apollonia Award is it's it's basically who won the movie, but it's sort mm. of with a twist. I felt like when we watched Purple Rain that it was obvious that Prince was going to dominate the movie and was going to be the movie. But despite that Apollonia held her own and the character of Apollonia transcended as much as Prince did. So we try to shout out the performances that maybe surprised us or weren't the obvious pick for, you know, best actor, actress or whatever. This movie is really hard for me to pick. I'll be honest. I don't know that I, I have a pick that I'm prepared to share. Maybe I'll just do that now. But to be honest, like everyone in here is so good that I'm just not even sure I can 
you know, I have an, an, an honest answer, but an answer for the sake of conversation. I want to shout out the count, uh, played by yes. uh, Ha Jung Woo. Apologies if we're butchering these pronunciations, but you know, there's just a couple of, couple of white boys, but, um, I thought, uh, I mean, I just thought he was great. I thought he was really good. I mean, I, I, we, we've been singing the praises of everyone, the two, you know, the, the, the countess lady Hideko and Suki played by Kim Min Hee and, and Kim Tae just phenomenal. Like they're just so fucking good that yeah, it, for them to not win an award for best actor in this movie, uh, best performance in this movie is like sort of blasphemous, but um, the count holds his own. And I think it's really cool because it's, he's playing sort of two or three different people. He's playing high society count. He's playing mm-hmm. a low society crook. And, you know, I think he really does hold his own. Um, he really does switch back and forth between like disgusting crook and like kind of disgusting high society guy at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's totally believable in both. So I'll, sh- I'll give it up to the count, but I-, I feel like we're talking about the Apollonia award just for the sake of talking about these performances more, but um, I do sure. want to hear if, if you do have a pick for this. Yeah. I mean, I think we do have like four primary performances in this film. Uh, the count does a great job. Like we kind of understand from the beginning, like, Oh, this is a guy pulling the strings. He's kind of shady, whatever. Uh, we talked about the handmaiden a lot. I think I'm going to go with uh, the lady, lady Hideko played by uh, yeah. Kim Min Hee. And I think I want to pick her because for me, seeing her in part two of the movie really, I think kind of exposes us to just how wonderful of an actress or actor she is. You know, it's just like the part one is so much from the handmaiden's perspective and we just kind of take everything at face value. It's like, Oh, the lady is like having a nightmare. And so she's got to go in and take care of her or, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then in part two, we find out like, actually like the lady's, a little bit of a con man herself. Like she totally. knows what's going on. Uh, she's a lot more intelligent than is let on in part one. And for me, that was like the big payoff here. It's like, Oh, okay. So whose side is she on? Like, what is, what's her perspective here? Because yeah, like the count makes the proposal of just like, we don't have to love each other. Let's just like get married. We'll get rid of your uncle, whatever. And she kind of sees like the financial benefit in that. It's like, okay, I can see that. But then, you know, as it comes on, I think she also has the same experience that the handmaiden does where there's a point where she's like, oh, I know this woman's actually here to like be make me a mark. But I also like her, you know, like this is getting more difficult now to kind of navigate. And I just I loved uh, Kim Min He's performance. I thought she did a wonderful job. Uh, And then just to round it out, the uncle has a really interesting job of like being an old man, you know, in most of the parts, but then in part two, we go back to the flashback and he's his young self and he's just, he's intimidating. You know, he's, I don't know that he's ever like scary necessarily, you know, like there are actions like slamming the table and all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, he doesn't fuck around, but his performance was really, he was intimidating, I guess to say the least. Like he wasn't, I don't know that you'd be scared of him, but like he's intimidating. And I think that, that, uh, is uh, Cho Jin Wung, I believe is his name. He just did a wonderful job. Yeah, you can certainly see his power and influence. Like whether or not you're actually like physically intimidated by him, you know he's a guy you can't mess with because you disappear tomorrow and no one would look for you. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and like when he invites all these guys and you know, she's doing her readings, like we get close up on his face of him like seeing that all these guys are responding to what she's doing. It's just like Oh, this dude's also pulling his own strings. You know, he's just got these rare collections of like erotic books and makes her read them for these guys to get them all like worked up. And then he's like, cool. Who wants to buy this book now? You know, it's like, yeah, man, he's got his own little grift going here. I like it. Yeah. And man, I'm going to be totally honest right now. I completely forgot about the book reading scenes. Those were maybe like the funnier parts of the movie, you know, like that, Mm. those are the only parts where I like, there were a few parts where I laughed. I honestly don't remember, but like, I remember thinking like, Oh yeah, this would be what like people with more money than they know what to do with in the thirties would do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I'd go, was, watch a, yeah. I'd go watch a beautiful woman in some weird basement of this yes. nice house. You know, they took an hour and a half ride from their mansions into the countryside. 
and do this weird high society shit. You know, it was like, it was like exactly. Jap- 1930s Japan eyes wide shut. You know, and yes, like- <laughs> that's exactly what it was. It's like, we're going to go watch this like young woman read out this erotic, you know, book and just kind of get all worked up. And like in the last one too, where it's just like, this book is so valuable, but they ripped out like the, the positions and stuff they talk about are so extraordinary. And so they put artwork in the book, but it got ripped out. And one of the guys like, well, then it's just not worth as much. And he's like, well, hold on. You know, it's like, and he like drops this dummy from the ceiling. It's like, we're going to make her act it out now in front of all of you. And then like, I feel like that bumps up the value even more than it was like, Oh man, this dude thought of everything. Like he's completely taking advantage of this woman that like this child that he raised, you know, or brought up, but the scenes themselves, like they're definitely played, I think for the most comedic effect of just like the, the intense, like push in on the guys who were just like getting so like worked up, but also around other dudes. So trying to like play it cool, but it's like, (laughs) you can tell they're just ready to bust at any moment, you know? (laughs) Baseball, Margaret Thatcher. What is what is Austin Powers saying? <laughs> oh, yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, baseball, uh, cold showers. Baseball, cold showers. Give it up, Mr. Powers. Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold day. Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold. I mean, you don't get in a state like that being a dummy, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I like. I was like, that's what, like. There's so much about this movie I want to know more about. How did he come? Be, come into that power how did he get that house how did he keep that house how does he have the staff to maintain it how does what is the basement all about what's the octopus all about there's just so much cool stuff about this movie and i mean if you're listening by to this point and you haven't seen the movie even with all the things we've said i i don't think we've ruined the movie for you we've certain certainly spoiled some things but i i can't imagine we've ruined it for you i mean no admit it i forgot that they did they did the book reading scenes and I saw the movie a few days ago. So there's just, there's just so much to unpack here. Let's leave. Let's see where were we? We're in like, we were in Lake Minnetonka. Let's take a yeah. drive over to the, to the drive-in. Uh, Adam's waiting for us. Good old Adam driver, the patron saint of the pod. I just had sex. I'm about to eat nachos. It's the greatest moment of my life. He wants us to come do his double drive-in double feature. And uh, he wants to know if we could pair this movie with any other movie for our dream drive-in double feature uh scenario what would we pick and benjamin my good man you're first i mean it's it's pretty on the nose and we've talked about it already but i just think i would pay so much money to see this and parasite on a big screen in a double feature totally. like i just like they would work so well together um i don't even know necessarily what order i would put it in like i might go parasite first i mean i, I really just i think it's flip a coin though i don't know that it matters because i think they're both like captivating enough that i wouldn't necessarily be leaving handmaidens like oh i'm done or you know vice versa it's like i'm ready for whatever's next so yeah um we've talked about parasite on here a little bit before i think one of our round recaps but just a great story of again like the class and social structure and how certain people move up in the world or don't and uh i mean speaking of creepy basements you know like (laughs) one of those two so it's just like uh i think that would just be a great double feature that i i would watch in a heartbeat i'd watch it i mean that's a long night you're 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 really in for it but i do think (laughs) it's worth it because both movies are you know i dare you to peel your eyes off the screen (laughs) you know like that you like that would be I think you'd have eye strain maybe, but I think it'd be worth it. Uh, have, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'd have like a nice uh, intermission in between. I was trying to think while you were talking, which one I would play first. And that's a tough one. That really is tough. I think these are both phenomenal movies and they're both like pretty tonally similar. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. That's a tough I one. Think, we'll let it. I think we'll I let Mr. Driver go, decide. Yeah, he can decide. I think if I had to kind of my head, I'd show Parasite first because it's kind of contained in that household, whatever. And then the handmaiden takes a part of that into it, but we get like a much bigger story. I feel like in the handmaiden. So I think that's probably what I would go with. If I had to, I would choose that. But again, there's like, there's just so many ways to look at this movie. Like one last little thing of trivia that I thought was very cool is that uh, in every other country, um, besides Korea, the movie is called The Handmaiden, 
but in Korea it was called the lady. And I thought it was so interesting, like their focus on who the protagonist was, you know, it's like, let's switch up the title. It's like, and I think that just adds like so many ways that you could like interpret this movie. It's like, yeah, who were with, you know, Suki the most, but I mean, the lady really is kind of the one who's like doing everything. And I think we get that similar kind of thing in Parasite, which is like, I know the brother was the first one in here, but who's really calling the shots and all that kind of stuff. So I just think they work well together either way. Yeah, totally. And the more I think about it, I think you're right. Parasite does have to go first for all the reasons you stated, but also uh, the handmaiden, it needs that that's more of an after dark movie. You know what I mean? Like the sensuality (laughs) of it, the eroticism of it, not, I mean, the whole movie's not that way. I mean, it sort of is. There's like, there's, there's that sort of like underlying burn of like their attraction Mm -hmm. to each other. So that feels like more of like an after dark movie. This, sure. this is a movie that if it were on HBO when I was 14, it would have been my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> and I mean, it already is like, it still is, even though I've, you know, with my gray and my beard, I'm almost 40 years old. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like I said, it was like, I was about halfway into the movie and I was like, yeah, I get it. Like movie fucking rules. And when it was over, yeah. I just, like, like I said, I was speechless. Um, so I was originally for my pick here, I was originally going to pick old boy just because I think if you haven't seen old boy, you should. Um, it's the same director. Um, I think I would go handmaiden first and old boy second, even though I just said handmaiden should be an after dark <laughs> movie, but old boy is such a fucking thrill ride. I feel like you've got to, there's, you can't, that's got it. You can't come down from that and then go watch the handmaiden you know what i mean like you can't come off of the off of that and and go into a slow burn so um i think we'll watch both we're just gonna it's gonna be a late night we're gonna start handmaiden after dark so it's gonna be you know you're getting home at one or two in the morning but while we were talking i actually changed my mind and i don't want to do old boy so you can watch old boy on your own time Uh, i think it's worthy of its own night Uh, but we're actually gonna go eyes wide shut we're gonna go eyes wide shut first uh, I got reminded of it in our conversation, you know, a minute ago. Um, and I like that because it's a really good primer for what happens in this movie. Like we said, this yeah. movie is like sort of like 1930s Japanese eyes wide shut. So um, I feel like we get the Kubrick version and it's like two cinematic masters, right? Like oh, for um, sure. both of these directors are masterful and they're, and, and, you know, there's not a, a wasted second of film, the, cinematography the choreography the composition all the stuff we've been praising uh would be simple um and you know you get like the white guy version then you get the korean version you know so yeah yeah (laughs) and i mean you get you get a good movie followed by a great movie i like eyes wide Mm. shut it's fine i think it's a good movie but i think the handmaiden is far superior and but i do think they pair together and that would be uh, another long night but it'd be a lot of fun well, let's finish up our road trip here by heading to our Rushmore Mountain. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? And for this week's Rushmore, we're going to talk about con artist movies. Uh, honestly, more because, like I said, I was pretty flummoxed <laughs> when coming mm-hmm. up with talking points for this movie. Uh, this movie really kind of did a number on me. It was, I, I keep, I keep repeating it, but I was just like, I just don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. it was, I just felt bombarded and overwhelmed in a, in a really good way. Like it was just really that good. So anyways, uh, this movie, you know, features some con artist work. So we're going to talk about our favorite, uh, four con artist movies. Benjamin, you're up first. I've talked about it already. Uh, it's a favorite among everyone here on the pod uh, and shout out to our resident expert, Jake Draper, but I've got to go with oceans 11. That's just yeah. like, it's the very first thing I thought of. Yeah. Um, it is just such a great movie. There were aspects of it that I think we saw in here where, you know, we get the flashback and it's like, Oh wait, so, the, Oh, they had already planned for this. You know, it's like, they didn't actually get caught. They knew this was coming. Like, yeah that scene i mean this is a spoiler pod so whatever but the scene uh where the handmaiden is in the asylum and the fire starts and then like the aunt and like the people we saw at the very beginning of the movie come in as like the rescue you know like the fire yeah. department whatever and they put on their mask and like 
the the sewn together purses to like protect themselves i'm like oh duh this is awesome you know like we kind of knew they were going to show up at some point but that was very much like you know the people in oceans 11 coming in to like oh we'll figure out the problem is and like they're the ones that take out the money later on you know it's it's pretty cool so another movie we talked about on the pod a fish called wanda uh, i had a lot of fun with that that's one i wasn't yeah. anticipating um, but you know, a, a great performance from everyone, John Cleese, Kevin Klein, who won an Academy Award for that, Michael Palin, and obviously our queen, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, so yeah, I want to shout that one out. I want to make sure people give that one a shot. Honorable uh, mention for me. One of my favorites, also Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, um, Steve Martin and Michael Caine. And this is like it's just two comedic geniuses like going back and forth. It is it is so good. It's just such a great movie. I don't even know what to say about it other than uh, I also love that it was directed by Frank Oz, who is just the best. Uh, I love Frank Oz so much. Yeah. So um, shout out Little Shop of Horrors. And then the last one is a movie that really surprised me. You know, we've talked multiple times about like the nexus of this podcast being that huge list that I tried to do one year watching like 500 movies. And I watched this for that. It's a movie called The Sting from 1973 with uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford. You know, ever heard of them? Those guys. Uh, but oh, man, no. it is <laughs> all those guys, old Sundance. Um, yeah, movie called The Sting. And I just, I don't even know exactly what to say about it. I don't want to go too far into it, but it, it's still to this day, I'd put it up there with Ocean's Eleven as far as like some of the best con work you know that that we got to see in a movie the way they create like these sets and um you know like sets within the movie for people like to confuse people within the movie it's pretty rad uh one best picture at the academy awards won seven oscars so uh just highly highly recommend that movie and i think that would that would wrap up my con man rushmore yeah it's a hell of a list um and i think this might be a podcast first i mean granted there's only two of us but no crossovers on any Rushmore's this time. Crazy. Um, I Ocean's Eleven, I certainly thought about. The only reason I didn't put it on there, I guess I don't really have any real reason. I just didn't. I felt like we've talked about it a lot. So, And there was other things I could pick. A Fish Called Wanda definitely was an honorable mention and was on my list up until a certain point. Um, again, something we found on the pod. Uh, we all experienced it together. Shout out my grandpa who gave the recommendation. And nice. uh, yeah. So one of my all-time faves, and it's like a, when it's on cable, I always watch it sort of thing is Catch Me If You Can. Um, that's one of those, if I come across it and it's on, I'll probably sit down and watch at least 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Um, I've yeah. always been a big fan of that movie. So Catch Me If You Can. Um, Kingpin, which I'll be honest, I didn't think about, but when I was going through some lists, I was like, oh yeah, that is a con man movie. And uh, it's one we haven't talked about a ton on here. And, and one uh, I've never seen. Oh, oh, goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have to change that. And then uh, I actually didn't even realize this. There's a little bit of uh, serendipity here, but uh, another Woody Harrelson classic, White Man Can't Jump, makes my list there. And uh, followed by a movie that wouldn't have been able to bend on my list up until very recently, but one that's been sorely missing from my my uh, catalog of movies seen and i would have liked to have done it for the podcast but i also just really wanted to watch it when i came across it one day uh usual suspects i finally yeah. i finally got i finally saw it i finally saw the all the uh all what the hype was all about how many keys you cocksucker in english please excuse me in english how many fucking keys you cocksucker what the fuck Number four, step forward. And I will say, I knew about the whole Kaiser Sose thing. I knew, I like, I the the I it had been spoiled for me for years. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it was still great, still effective, still a really good movie. And even though I knew the the spoiler, I still was kind of second guessing up to the end. I was like, wait, was it really? Is that? Re I mean, <laughs> yeah. If you go on IMDb, it says who Kaiser Sose is, so that's kind of a bummer. But oh, yeah. I th I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's not IMDb. Maybe it's somewhere else. It's like this person plays this character and Kaiser Sose. <laughs> I'm trying not to spoil it in case someone hasn't seen it. Yeah. Um, but 
Anyways, so catch me if you can. Kingpin, white men, can't jump, and the usual suspects. Gosh, Ben, is there anything else you wanted to talk about in this movie? I mean, we did pretty good covering everything, I feel like. And and I would hesitate to say too much more in case someone hasn't seen this movie and they want to go yeah. check it out. Um, I hope we've done a good job of selling it to you. Um, but I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about? The only thing I want to bring up, um, I, I didn't want it for my elevator pitch because it's really just like a shot. It's not necessarily a scene that I loved, but there's a shot in this movie that I think was just like so well done uh, kind of during the flashback. And we are on the lady as a child and we kind of like lose focus of her face and like go to the background and then it transitions to being like her as an adult, but while it's all bokeh out and then it comes back into frame. And so she goes from like being in focus as the girl kind of going out of focus. We transition to her as an adult and come back in all while keeping the camera, you know, on the same shot. I was like, yeah, this is so cool. They did that a few times where it's like the lady was like looking through her little peephole at her door. And mm, so we like yeah. pan to the left and we see, you know, like the count doing his business to get rid of her handmaiden and we go back to her at the door then we go back to the left and we see the new handmaiden coming in like i mean we both know and a lot of people know how that all works you know technically but it's still just always great to see it done really well and i think this movie we talked about the cinematography but the camera work everything i think it just it's so masterful i think they did a great job yeah 100 percent agree and i mean this, this is like a postcard movie, right? Like pause the movie and put it on a postcard, no matter where you're at. It's probably going to be. Do the scene where like handmade and encounter talking to each other. And it's like the trees, like down that like pathway. Yeah. But, like the tree branches are like connecting in over them. Like, you know, normally the trees go up and then like up top, but this is like, it's almost narrow. Like the way they all like curve into the pathway. It's like, yeah. where is this place? It's so beautiful. Like it's so cool. Like, yeah. like I just want to, I want a tour of where they shot this. Cause it looks amazing. Yeah. Well, gosh, man, I, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, Let's do it. It feels weird not to have a guest here to like plug their pod. So I guess we'll plug ourselves one more time. Um, yeah. You know, you can find us all the socials, Twitters and Instagrams and wherever the cool kids hang out. You can probably find us there. We're at three films pod. And uh, again, check out our website, threefilmspod.com. At some point, I promise there is a new version of the site coming. It's going to be real cool and uh, will be built by yours truly. But in the meantime, we've got a great site up that Ben put together and it's got a bunch of cool merch that Matt has designed. And, um, you know, you can you can check that out and purchase it and help support us. Uh, and there's also a Patreon and you can be a patron of the pod and support us that way. We'd really appreciate it. So. Um, check it out. Give us a, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a subscribe on YouTube. Ben puts a ton of work into these episodes. So, um, yeah, we really appreciate those of you that are, that have stuck around and are watching and listening. And, uh, I guess that's going to do it and we'll, we'll catch you next week. See you. Bye everyone. Excuse me. May I go to the bathroom first? Of course you may. Thank you.